0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're joining us, whether here in person or on, online. We started a new series last week called Ever Wonder Why, and why is the question we probably ask more than any other. A, and we're tackling kind of tough questions, and today's is, why doesn't or didn't God answer my prayer? Assuming we mean the way we wanted him to. to uh, someone said after the first service, there's three answers, yes, no, and Wait a while. (laughs) Um, So, why doesn't God answer my prayers the way I would like? Um, So, simple question. How many believe in the power of prayer? How many believe in prayer? How many of you pray? Put your hand up. Probably everybody. I can't see everybody. Probably everybody does, right? Even people that aren't really religious sometimes will pray. Kind of as a last resort whatever it is. So, prayer is powerful. Probably most of us have seen "Quote unquote miracles, things that happen that didn't wouldn't normally happen, but prayer is also confusing because we don't always get what we ask for. So the prayer is powerful, but it can be confusing. That's the next slide, by the way. Um, we see all kinds of examples in Scripture of miracles. I thought of Elijah calling down fire on that on this this altar." that was soaked with water and it still was consumed even though it was all wet. Um, most people know about Daniel in the lion's den. He got in trouble because he was praying. That's how he wound up in the, den, in the lion's den, but the lions left him alone, right? Um, and then we've seen prayer, uh, answered prayer. We've prayed for people that doctors said we can get well and they got well. Um, we've seen other Things happen that there's no explanation for but then we look at uh, the life of Christ on the the, uh, last night of his life he goes into the garden of Gethsemane and he prays a prayer and part of that prayer is he says to God I don't want to die I don't want to suffer (laughs) if there's some other way you can figure this out how you can forgive people their sins without me dying that's my prayer request But then he ended his prayer this way. But if there's no other way, God, (laughs) I want to do what you want me to do. So his first prayer didn't get answered. So Jesus didn't get all of his prayers answered, did he? His second prayer did. And he sacrificed his life for your sins and mine. So a couple hours um, before that, that same evening, Jesus said something that to me is confusing concerning prayer. Here it is in John chapter 14. He's with his disciples in the upper room, last night of his life, and he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father, meaning me, Jesus. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. All right, have you asked something of Jesus in his name? You ended your prayer in Jesus' name and didn't get it? You don't have to raise your hand because we all would say yes, right? We've prayed for things that we didn't get. So what is going on? Was Jesus not telling us the truth? Did we somehow mess it up? Again, difficult question. So I thought we'd stop and pray and then we'll go on. Father God, thank you. We thank you for prayer. We thank you that uh, we have these promises about prayer, but they can be confusing so help us get some clarity today so that we will pray uh, effectively in a way that honors your view. You. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so the basic question is, what is the purpose of prayer? What are we trying to accomplish in prayer? Why do we pray? <clears throat> well, let me kind of word it a different way. Who's the main character of this book? Are you the main character? Am I the main character? Is any human being the main character? The main character of this book, the Bible, is God, of course. (laughs) So the main character in prayer would be who? It would be God, right? Now, he honors us by wanting us to talk to him. That's what prayer is. So what is the purpose of prayer? Now, when I pray, I ask God for things, and I would like him to give me those things, right? Right? But the purpose of prayer, this is on your outline, isn't to get God to do what I want to do. That's not what the purpose of prayer is. Even though I think that's the way we approach it a lot, of, a lot of the time. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to know God or to get to know God better so that we can do His will. Now this goes back to the character of God. If God is a good God, we talked about that, was that last week or the week before, uh, if God is a good God, his will is good, so we want to pray for what's good, right? That makes make sense. Now, I think we often approach God kind of like a Santa Claus. You know, he's checking the list, find out who's naughty and nice, and we think most of us are nice most of the time, right? So if I ask God, he's going you know, to give me some stuff, right? stuff I asked for. But God isn't a Santa Claus. I also thought about sometimes in a drive-in uh, food place. You, you stop there at the little menu and you push the button. And they say, okay, how can I help you? You give them your order. And you drive around the corner and you pick up the food. You got to give money, of course, but you get, you get your food, right? <clears throat> so I put on your outline, God is not a button to be pushed. <laughs> what is he? Well, he's a relationship to be pursued. So, Was he lying when he said, if you ask anything in my name, you'll get it? So what is the issue? Now, anytime you read a part of the Bible and it's confusing, or you don't understand it, what's the best way to interpret the Bible? People ask me to explain things to them. Sometimes I can help. But the best way to interpret this book is reading other parts of this book. Okay? So we're going to look at other parts of the book and try and figure this out. So we use the Bible on your outline. Use the Bible to interpret the Bible. <clears throat> so why are you not getting your prayers answered? All of them, the way you want, all right? Hopefully you're getting some of them answered. But why don't you get all your prayers answered the way you would like? There's at least four indications in, in the scriptures, in the, in the Bible, that interfere or hinder getting those answers that we desire. So that's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes. So first one's this. Maybe, and I don't know, but just maybe, you have a broken relationship. There's somebody that you're at odds with. Somebody's at odds with you. Uh, the verse we're going to look at here, Jesus is talking about faith, and he says, if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain into the sea. Now to me, that sounds like quite a bit of faith. I've never been able to do that even figuratively, necessarily. So he's talking about faith can do big things, right? And then we pick, this, pick it up here in Mark chapter 11. He says this, I tell you, Jesus is speaking, you can pray for anything. That's pretty cool, right? And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. But, there's a caveat, all right? But, going on but when you are praying what do you need to f- check out what do you need to figure out first first forgive anyone who is holding a grudge against you so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins so evidently when i'm at odds with other people or other people are at odds with me it affects when i'm what i'm asking god for and parents, you'll understand this, I think, especially if you've got siblings, all right? Or if you're a sibling like I am, sometimes I would fight with my siblings, all right? We would yell at each other and, and get angry and maybe even punch each other sometime, all right? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, all right? So after one of these sessions where we're at each other's other, and then we go to our parents and we say, ah, can I have my buddy over? Now, as a parent, when your kids are treating each other horribly, are you want, willing to want to give them what they ask for? You probably say no. You guys can't get along. You can't have your buddy over. Oh, can I go to the movies? No. If you can't get along, um, you can't have. We would use the word privileges in our household, right, kids? <laughs> so these relationships here with one another affects this vertical relationship with God. And when Jesus is talking about faith, he says faith changes things. Faith allows you to move a mountain into the other. Faith changes us. It changes our heart. It changes our desires. Now, early on in Jesus' ministry, we have this thing called a Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And right in the middle of it, Jesus is talking about prayer. And here's something he says in chapter 6. Right after this, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, which most of you are familiar with. But before he gets there, he says this. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, so you're in worship like we are here now, and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, you leave your sacrifice there at the altar. We, We kind of equate that to your offering. All right, so you don't take your offering with you. You leave your offering here, which I think is significant. Why? Because you're coming back. It's only, this is only a temporary interruption. Leave your sacrifice there. Go and be reconciled to that person. Fix it on the earthly realm. Reconcile that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So evidently these horizontal relationships interfere with this vertical relationship. One other example. And this is for husbands only. I think it applies to to wives as well. But Peter's writing, he says this. In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Husbands, honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. I don't know about you, but I think women are sometimes hard to understand. (laughs) And so I'm trying trying to understand them. As you live together, she may be weaker than you. This only means physically. It doesn't mean emotionally or spiritually, definitely. In fact, it says she's your equal partner. You guys are equal, men and women, husbands and wives, in God's gift of new life. Then he says, treat her as you should, with honor and understanding, right? Why? So your prayer will not be hindered. If I'm not treating my wife with honor and understanding, the implication is it will hinder my prayers. So this relationship horizontally affects this relationship vertically. So sometimes, maybe, the reason your prayers aren't getting answered the way you would like is because you have disrupted relationships here on earth. One reason. Another reason. Maybe you have the wrong motives. We've talked about motives before. Motive is important to God, the reason why you're doing something. Maybe none of you have done this, but I've prayed some selfish prayers in my lifetime. I've prayed that girls would go out with me. Not because they want to go out with me, but I want God to manipulate them because I want them to go out with me. So I pray selfish prayers. I pray for, you know, my life to be easier than it is. Why? And that's a selfish prayer, right? Uh, We've got examples in Scripture that... There's these guys in the New Testament, Jesus' day, called the Pharisees, and they were uh, professional religious people. Let's just call them that. 24-7, they were religious. They memorized huge portions of the Bible. So Jesus, in the same chapter, when he's talking about prayer, he says this. He gives this warning. He says, when you and I pray, don't be like, and he's referring to to the Pharisees, these hypocrites, what were they doing? They love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. So they'd go out here on the street corner and and, uh, where people were, not on this street corner, uh, in town someplace, and they would be there praying and and be all religious and spiritual uh, on the outside. But the reason they were doing that wasn't because they were trying to connect with God or get other people to connect with God. They were just wanting people to think, oh, look how spiritual they are. He says, I tell you the truth that is all the reward they'll ever get. (laughs) So they get the praise of other people, but they don't get any, any response from God. I kind of thought about it on this level. We ask God to bless us financially, or if we have a business, to bless our business, and then we're not generous when God blesses us with those finances. We don't support church ministry here and other ministries. So why would God do that if our motive isn't to honor him and to serve other people? So that's another reason you maybe your prayers aren't being answered the way you would like. Another reason we don't get our answers prayer, prayer, prayers answered the way we like is we didn't believe God would do what you ask. Now again, maybe this is just me, but I've prayed prayers that I didn't believe God was going to answer. I prayed for people who were terminally ill and I didn't really think God was going to let them get, become well. I've seen that happen, but I've also prayed and didn't expect it to happen. So there's a story in the New Testament. This uh, boy has an evil spirit. and It's just making his life a mess, which is really upsetting his father, of course. He's, he's having seizures and other things, foaming at the mouth and so forth. Uh, brings him to the disciples. They can't heal him. And so then Jesus they can, takes, them, takes them to Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus kind of is frustrated. He says, how long do I have to put up with... Uh, you, you have little faith. But then he deals with the child and the father. And so um, we'll pick a text up here. The spirit often throws father's talking to Jesus, throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now, ever say, well, God, if you can, can you do this? Well, kind of silly, right? Kind of foolish. Why? Jesus responds. If I can, Jesus answered, anything is possible. If a person believes, I can do anything. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. That's why I brought him to you. But help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe I don't believe enough. I believe. Help me believe more. As I said, um, I prayed for people that I didn't have the faith they were going to get well. Um, I prayed. Sometimes I'll ask my wife to pray because I think she has more faith than I do if we're with someone. But evidently, my faith, the faith of the person who's praying, the person that's asking God, matters. If I really don't believe he's going to do it, it's probably not going to happen. In fact, we talked about faith a couple weeks ago. Uh, Romans chapter, I mean Romans Hebrews chapter 11 it says this and without faith it's impossible to please God so faith is a pretty big deal anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him so there's an incident with Jesus he's invited to this guy Simon's uh, house and Simon doesn't treat him very well so this lady doesn't wash his feet and greet him with a kiss and this lady comes in she's described as a bad sinner, <laughs> whatever that means. And uh, she uh, uh, wash, washes his feet with her, t- her tears and, and dries them off with her hair. And Jesus said, your sins which are great are forgiven. And Simon's taken back by this. And Jesus said, okay, let me think about it this way. If somebody owes you a little bit of money, or you owe somebody a little bit of money and, and uh, you pay it back, or somebody owes a lot of money and can't pay it back, neither one can pay it back, excuse me, then who who loves more? And he says, the one who's forgiven more. And that's when Jesus said, well, she's been forgiven a lot because she's a great sinner, whatever that means. So um, she loved more. And then Jesus says this to her. Your, what? Faith. Has saved you, go in peace. She truly believed she was the Messiah. Her faith saved her. Um, Another time, we actually it's going to be three little stories put together in in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, There's this woman comes along who's been sick for 12 years with some blood issue, and she thinking in her head, if I can not if I can talk to Jesus. Or if I can get him to touch me, if I can just touch, not just him, but just his robe, then I'll be well. No doctors can fix me, but Jesus can fix me. And so in the crowd, she managed to touch, touch Jesus. And Jesus noticed that power has gone out of him, healing power. And he asked disciples, who touched me? And of course, they don't know who it was in the crowd. And so the lady come, presents himself to Jesus. So Jesus turned around, it's in your, you know, on your uh, outline. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. You're what? Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. And then Jesus goes off and deals with a, a, chi- a, a female child that has died. And he said, no, she's not dead. And he raises his child from the dead. All right. And then as he's leaving the house, and we'll pick up the text here, and after Jesus <clears throat> left the girl's house, Two blind men followed along behind him shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. Basically, heal us. We don't like being blind. Evidently, Jesus doesn't respond to them. And he goes into uh, uh, this house. Well, they weren't deterred. (laughs) They were persistent. They went right into the house where he was staying. So at this point, Jesus addresses them. He says, do you what? Believe I can make you see. Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. Text goes on. Then he touched their eyes saying, let it be done for you according to your what? Faith. They had enough faith to believe that God would heal and they were healed. Now, there is a, uh, uh, an issue here, a problem here. If I have enough faith, can I get God to do whatever I want? That's what it kind of seems like or sounds like. No, here's the issue with that. I put it on your outline this way. You don't put faith in faith. If I think I can just muster up enough faith, I can get God to do what I want. My faith is in my faith. It's not in God. And so teaching out there, you know, if, if you have enough faith, God will make you rich. If you have enough faith, God will make you well. No, 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 no. That's not true. Sometimes we have broken relationships. Sometimes we have selfish motives, wrong motives. Sometimes we just don't believe that God's going to do what we ask. And one other thing, and then we'll be finished. Maybe, just maybe, God has something different. I always like to say something better, but I don't want an argument from you folks. So I'll just say different. Now, the reason I say better is because if I believe God is all good then if he gives me something different than what I'm asking for, it's good, i.e. better maybe than what I'm asking for. So we're going to look at uh, 1 John. 1 John, um, John, one of the disciples, is writing and, he, and he's explaining some different things. Uh, he talks a lot about love in 1 John. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, perfect love casts out fear. You've heard me use that verse. And we get... To the end of the letter, and he says a couple of really fascinating things. First, he says this. I've written this, this letter. You can read it for yourself. To you who believe, so this is written to Jesus followers, in the name of the Son of God, so that you may guess you have eternal life or hope you have eternal life. ask you ever ask anybody if they're going to heaven when they die and they say, I hope so, or maybe No, 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 John said, I'm writing this so you will what? You will know you have eternal life, that you'll know you're going to heaven when you die. Well, how do we know? Well, we fulfill the requirements. I confess my sin as a sinner, told God I can't get to heaven on my own, Accept the fact that Jesus died for my sins as the only perfect sacrifice, that he conquered death by raising from the dead, and I put my faith in him, in the grace of God. So I've done that, so I know, I'm not being arrogant, I know because I've fulfilled the requirements that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and be with, with Jesus, all right? Hopefully you all do, do also. But then he starts talking about prayer. <clears throat> and it, it, it sounds like that, when, that that verse we started off with, right? So this is the next verse. <clears throat> This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him, before God, that if we ask anything, there it is, according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. He responds. So, is, is it just, if you ask anything, I, I will do it? Again, we, we interpret the Bible with the Bible. No, according to his will to his plan, to his perfect. Again, he's a good God, so his plan, his purpose is good. The text goes on. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he'll give us what we ask for. I'll give you one other example from Scripture, and then we'll be finished. This guy that wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else by the name of Paul, most of you know who he is, who he was, and he was a religious terrorist at first. He was persecuting people that were Jesus followers. He was arresting them, even had them uh, killed. In fact, today is the day to pray for the persecuted church. There are people every day, someplace in the world, that are killed simply because they believe in Jesus. No other reason. So we need to pray for these folks. Pray for them and their loved ones that they had those loss. <clears throat> so, Paul has his dramatic conversion experience. He spends about eight years, I say, on the shelf. God doesn't use him. He doesn't go out there preaching and go out there starting churches. But then, when he gets started, boy, does he get started. He goes around the, the Mediterranean rim. He's starting church after church. He's writing to these churches. That's why we have part of our New Testament, et cetera, et cetera. But he had a big issue. So in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he's talking about having this uh, amazing vision that God has blessed him with. And then he says this. So to keep me from becoming proud, getting a big head, being arrogant, because I've got this vision and nobody else had this vision. He said, I was given a thorn in my flesh. He calls it a messenger from Satan to torment me. So not a very pleasant thing. We don't know what it was. Could have been epilepsy or bad eyesight, or we don't know what it was. But it tormented him. But it also was keeping him from becoming proud. Look at me. So, if something's tormenting you, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to pray, God, I don't like this. Can you take it away? So that's what he said three different times. Now, not just morning, noon, and night, and then he was finished. Three different seasons of prayer. This could have been days or maybe weeks he was praying. God, it says begged. Please, please, please take this away. It's horrible. I, I don't want it. And he prayed for a while and it didn't happen. So he let it go for a while. And then maybe the torment got so bad again. Prayed again. He begged God to take it away. And God again didn't take it away. And then time passed and he did it again. And here was the conclusion he got. In fact, he got this conclusion each time. Even after he got this conclusion, this answer the first time, he prayed two more times. He said, God said to me, my grace is all you need, Paul. That's all you need, Paul. You don't need this thorn taken away. Why? My power works best in weakness. Well, God's got power. I don't really have a lot of power anyway. So if his power works best in weakness, what's he saying? So I'm glad to boast, that not about visions, but a boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So did he get his answer? No. His thorn wasn't removed. One of the most spiritual people we would classify that's ever lived. Something really important to him that he prayed diligently about, God didn't answer the way he wanted. Then he goes on. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Not that I suffer because I just do something stupid, but it, and you can read about it. He was shipwrecked and he was stoned and all these terrible things that happened to him. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, you don't always get your prayers answered the way you want. I don't know why. I gave you four possibilities, probably others. But the question is, is God sufficient? Because that's what Paul said. You didn't take the thorn away, but you are sufficient to sustain me and use me. So, in with a question. Why bother praying? It's confusing. It's complicated, isn't it? Let's remember. <laughs> What's the purpose of Prayer. The purpose of prayer isn't to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do his will. So, whether I'm getting my prayers answered the way I want or not, there's purpose in prayer. It's relational. It's getting to know God better, drawing closer to God, God drawing closer to me. Let me just finish with this. I love my wife. We'll be married 47 years in a couple weeks. Actually, two weeks from today. 47 years. Okay, do I love my wife so I can get her to do what I want her to do? Or do I just love my wife? I hope she loves me back. So why do you love God? Do you love God just so he'll do what you want you to do? Or do you want a loving relationship with God no matter what he does? So, next step. When you pray, believe God can answer what you're asking. And then also believe God will answer the way you would like. But even if he doesn't, still believe that relationship is most important. Let me pray with you. Father God, we thank you for prayer, the privilege we have to talk to you 24-7 and know that you are listening. There are caveats, and we've talked about those. But first and foremost is that relationship, that loving relationship. You love us perfectly as we learn to love you. Uh, and we pray for anyone that doesn't know that they have eternal life. Because Paul, John wrote, he wrote this so we would know. And you can know. It's spelled out clearly, I, I've shared it. You can know you have eternal life. Trust in the the resurrected Jesus to forgive your sins. Father, we thank you that Jesus did it all for us. And we get the benefits, free gift of your grace. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.